Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to a new episode of Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All right, crowdfunders, how is everybody doing out there in the land of crowdfunding? Hopefully, you guys are all surviving quarantine 2020. You know, hopefully, you guys are all locked away. You just listen to podcasts and Netflix, and you're just, just consuming content. And hopefully, we are part of that content consumption. So if this is your first time listening, I am your host, Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel. I'm the CEO of Woodshed Agency, which we focus on crowdfunding and digital marketing in, the, uh, in this new landscape. And uh, on today's episode, we've got a phenomenal conversation uh, coming up with, with Vince Dixon, uh, Dixon, excuse me, uh, and his project is called Who Knew, H-U-N-U, that's hard to say, Who Knew. Uh, his website is wearewhoknew.com, and this is a portable and recyclable, or reusable, I should say is a better word, coffee cup. Very, very cool. You got to check this out here in just a minute, this conversation here. Um, so that conversation, like I said, is coming up in just a little bit. But what else is going on? Well, you know, the world's ending, just little stuff like that. I got to be honest, it's Friday. Um, it's the first weekend. I'm stressed. I am stressed to the max. I cannot focus. I am all over the place. You know, I'm not sure if my business is, you know, going to be destroyed after this, if I'm ever going to get more clients, if I'm ever going to eat. Um, I've, you know, my church gig uh, doing live sounds been canceled. You know, so we got nothing. We're just sitting in it, right? Uh, got kids home. We're trying to be teachers, uh, small business owners. Um, I, I, oh, I got to tell my mom not to do stupid stuff. You know, just over and over and over. It's, it's a full court press right now. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But I'm sure all of you guys are all in the same boat. What are you going to do about it, right? Not in control. Not in control. Serenity now. Serenity now. That's what I have to tell myself. But, you know, other than that, it's just kind of been just kind of rolling through stuff, man just rolling through it's uh there's a lot on everybody's plate uh we're trying to keep these podcasts coming trying to put good information out there for you the listeners you know if you guys are getting ready to run crowdfunding campaigns or or if you're in the middle of a campaign and you're you're freaking out because boy i'll tell you what i'm glad i'm not running a campaign right now because i don't know i don't know you know it, it's a scary time right now there's just no doubt about it and um you know i mean just myself like i said today i am maxed it is it's just been a full day and I, I'm trying to find ways to sort of combat this. I think tomorrow uh, I'm just, I'm not going to plug in and, and we're going to drive to Lake Michigan. And yeah, I know it's like 30 degrees, but <laughs> let's drive to Lake Michigan. It's, it's like a two and a half hour, hour drive and, you know, get some takeout and eat it in the car. And I don't know, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm trying to just find and make, um, make adventures. You know what I mean? Just make adventures for the kids um and try to not watch the news right <laughs> try not to but it is challenging i can't i can't lie about it man um yeah i think i'm just taking this podcast moment just to take a deep breath you know the you know other little things i'm struggling with is um personally this is like my own personal stuff is i just i mean i haven't had a moment just to decompress about my 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 dad passing away you know my dad just passed away not too long ago and from there, I was in D.C. Then we had the, you know, we so we had a funeral. Then we were in D.C. Um, that was not an amazing trip. Well, the trip was great. The conference I went to sucked. Um, 
uh, from there, coming back, I have the burial. That wasn't awesome. I got my parents fighting. And then, in, and then from there, this happens. You know, we've got the coronavirus is shutting the world down. Um, you know, but yesterday was a moment. We had my son's birthday. So happy birthday, Atticus. He's nine years old. Um, but, you know, it was kind of the first event. Um, you know, my dad wasn't around. And, you know, just, just sitting there, it, it, yeah, it was tough. You know, and it's um, it's it was just hitting me a little bit. It's hit me right now, truly. Um, yeah, it's just it's just absolute chaos. It feels like everywhere I go. So I don't know. I'm going to take tomorrow, even Sunday. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really have any <laughs> major stuff happening um, to just kind of decompress. And I'm going to go to Lake Michigan and look at some waves. And I don't even know. Yeah, I, I don't. You're, we're probably not allowed to do that, but whatever. Uh, you know. We'll be in a car before of us, so it won't be that big a deal. Uh, tonight, though, I am actually uh, hosting a Netflix party um, for the community. So we're going to be watching Incredibles 2 at 7 o'clock. And there's an awesome Chrome app, or excuse me, Chrome extension, excuse me, not an app, it's an extension that allows you to sync your Netflix accounts, um, which is cool. So we're going to all, I got like, you know, all of my kids' friends, we're going to have like our movie night all together, but we're all be in our separate houses. So we're going to see a see how that works so uh, we'll get our popcorns ready to go but yeah yeah sorry guys it's just um we're all over the place a little bit but uh i'm just gonna keep fighting through it all right well with all that said if you are a subscriber thank you if you're not now's the time hit that subscribe button you'll get these episodes weekly uh coming to you from uh the woodshed office here in detroit michigan um if you like what you hear leave us a review those help us out immensely um if you're thinking about running a campaign um and you have questions give me a call, go to woodshed.agency and then slip, uh, type on the, um, or hit the, uh, consultation button at the top. And yeah, I'll, you know, you got my calendar link, pick a time and we'll chat and I will go, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll figure this all out together. So, all right, guys, why don't we go ahead and kick my conversation with Vince from the company who knew, and let's talk about reusable coffee cups. All right, Vince, the red light is on. It's go time. It's podcast recording time. Uh, all right, all right. So let's start off with my uh, my first question I ask everybody. Uh, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, it's a good question. Um, as I said, I'm out in Cape Town in South Africa at the moment. So I kind of flew out at uh, the beginning of this week. So my, my time zones are a bit lopsided right now. I'm still cutting or living on New York time. So it was actually just coffee this morning. Yeah. Nothing, nothing more interesting than that. Yeah, I'm still, I'm having, I'm having breakfast at lunch right now. <laughs> yeah, so it's all awful. How, what is that time difference between? Uh, we are, I just because the time zones change outside. I think we're seven hours behind New York. Oh, okay, all right. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, it, it's actually quite nice being out here because uh, I'm sort of ahead of the curve. So everything, you have a bit of a delay on everything. When I wake up in the morning, the US is still yet to get up so you kind of got this little buffer which is quite nice yeah. oh i bet that is nice yeah considering that you know we're i'm like east coast so we're getting that that uh facebook feed is just filled instantly yeah you wake up and just hit the ground running exactly you just walk into like oh my gosh what are we gonna do <laughs> so well awesome awesome well why don't we tell my listeners um what you just finished up on kickstarter uh raising money for what your product is so we finished up um the fifth so almost two weeks ago yeah geez time flies uh 
We have a coffee cup. Um, it's a reusable coffee cup. The difference with what we designed was um, it folds down really, really small. So it came from kind of our own experience where we went looking for a cup. Um, I, I so, sort of backtrack even more than that. We uh, just started realizing the impact we were having. I mean, in a very real way. It's sort of is, is a lot of it out there at the moment and a lot of awareness. But I think we, we kind of suddenly one day thought, wow, we're actually part of this problem. Like, we, I go out, I live in New York City. I go out and I, have, I meet people for coffee all the time. I go out in the morning and I grab a coffee, I go for a walk. So you're going through a lot of these things a day. I mean, in a bad day, you go through three or four coffee cups. And I think it just really hit me how it was, a, it was sometimes a three-minute, five-minute use. And it was going straight in the bin, and that was ending up straight in the landfill. And that combined with realizing that these things, despite kind of what a lot of people, including myself, always believed is that they're paper, they're recyclable, they're kind of good, um, that uh, disposable coffee cups actually aren't recycled. I think the, the, the numbers I've heard are kind of in the range of 1% to a quarter of a percent. So it's almost insignificant. Um, they have a plastic lining on the inside, which makes it very hard to recycle. And then secondly, the whole recycling system in general, since we've been on this journey, we've realized the recycling in itself is, is, is really more of a PR tactic than a true solution. There's a lot of resources that go into it and there's, there's, it's not a great long-term solution. Um, the best long-term solution is, is reusing what we have already. Stop all manufacturing and just use a glass jar, use the cups in your cupboard. Uh, the reality is that for most of us, that isn't practical. So the, the, the thing that we looked at was the convenience factor. What stopped myself using a, a reusable cup was really the fact that when I walked to a coffee shop or I met someone in the middle of the day, I didn't have a cup carabined to my belt and most people don't. Uh, and I'd need something that I could reliably carry with me all day, every day. And that, that was sort of the thinking. So we went looking for one, couldn't find it. Um, and so I thought, wow, they, I mean, if we need it, someone else will. So we, we kind of started looking at a design process on that and then it ended up in this Kickstarter. Yeah. So sorry, that was a long build up to that, but yeah, no, that's awesome. What, I mean, so for the, for the people who, you know, uh, haven't seen the campaign or this is the first time they're listening to it, you know, re reusable cup is a pretty generic term. Like how do you kind of describe it? How, you know, what is it doing? Because as somebody, for, I've seen it, I think it's, it's just a genius design, but how do you sort of describe it to people of what do you, what are you talking about when you say a reusable in terms cup? of our product or reusable yeah. cups in general? No, like for your product. Yeah. Our product, our product is a cup that can be reused over and over again. So you don't need to use disposable cups. Um, I mean, essentially, we market it as a coffee cup, and that's how it was designed, because that's the sort of main market that we looked at at the beginning in terms of because a lot of people use disposable coffee cups daily. But it, it's really a cup; you can use it for anything. You can use it. I've used it traveling, use it at the airport, use it to get water. Um, it just saves you having to use a disposable cup. Um, with our cup, the the entire design process was based around convenience. So it was something that try to take away any of the barriers of using a, re, a, a reusable cup. Um, and what we came down to was something that was incredibly, incredibly compact. So our cup is, is uh, foldable. It pops up into a kind of 10 ounce cup. So we say it's an eight ounce, eight ounce drink in there. It leaves a little bit of space at the top um, and folds down to kind of, I think two centimeters at three quarters of an inch. Um, obviously on a different number system being South African. But um, 
yeah, two centimeters tall. So it's incredibly, incredibly slim. I mean, it's not, it's about the thickness of my wallet. So you can put it very comfortably in your jeans pocket, in a small handbag, in places you, you wouldn't be able to carry a cup normally. So the idea is to really have something that takes away all of the barriers to not using a reusable. Right. And, and you know, what's like the first step in this? I mean, as somebody in my position, I get a lot of leads that call me and they, they want to save the world with recyclables or, you know, they just have this big, huge idea. So when you're sort of kind of exploring this and seeing this potential, you know, what starts the process in the design? Is it, you know, I mean, you mentioned, you keep mentioning like we want to take convenience, but, but what has to physically happen, right? For this to go from an idea in your mind to a prototype. Or, in, terms of, you know, in terms of physical steps. Yeah, like what, what, what starts your process in this, you know, making a product like this, you know? I think in our case, the product was very clear in my head from the beginning. And yeah, I knew it, exactly. It was, it, was a, it was a cup that needed to be compact enough to fit in your pocket. So the, I, think, I think rather than coming at the design process of trying to solve a problem and figuring out what that solution was, we had the solution from the beginning. And it was now trying to create a product that worked for that solution. So, so we started off very early days just looking what was out there um, from, and really looked at, at everything, uh, starting from kind of different materials. And I mean, I, I, at the beginning, we were looking at things that were literally kind of inflatable cups and things that would pop up and have some sort of skeleton around them. Or we looked at metal cups. Um, and eventually it came down to just the simplest solution. Uh, we ended up working with a really, really amazing design company in, in the UK. And um, we just kind of worked it all the way down to the simplest solution. The simplest solution was, was what's kind of available already in the outdoor industry is, is pop-up silicon-based cups. Um, um, and silicon as a product is very, very durable. Uh, it is incredibly hardy, so it lasts a very long time, and it holds its shape very, very well. So a well-made silicon product could, could last forever, which was a really big important factor for us. But that design process was really, as I say, we had, we had the concept of what we wanted, and then it was kind of figuring out how that could look in structure. And, and it was, it, it's a surprisingly long process, despite how simple the product is essentially it's, it's a cup that folds but there's a lot of detail that goes into it it's like how thick is your material how sturdy does it have to be how thin can you get it how like thick does the base that needs to support that weight um i think it's very easy to make a a uh, badly made version of something to get it really really well takes actually a lot longer and those details we've discovered in this whole process take a lot longer i mean we we worked on that design process for probably from really sitting down with the designers to the first prototype and close on four or five months to the very earliest prototype. And then, then obviously from there, it kind of starts evolving a bit more. Yeah. What in that process, what would you say was sort of maybe like the biggest hurdle or blocker or, you know, maybe you couldn't do something. Was there a moment where you just were like, man, I, I, I don't, it may seem simple, but I don't know if we're going to get there. Was there ever a moment like that? Uh, not in the product. I think, as I say, we started off with a very clear idea of what the product was and, and essentially how it would look. Again, a sort of some sort of folding cup that would fit in your pocket. So 
and and we knew that the product was possible. I think that the doubts with anything like this are if people want the product. And I think that's the real unknown. I mean, that's when Kickstarter for us was a, was a huge, um, was a huge kind of confirmation that we had something that people wanted. Um, I, I think, I, I think with anything I've been in startups before you start off quite naive. And by the time you're, realize how much it involves you're too far down the line to actually step back anymore and i think i think that naivety is almost quite important because you you wouldn't you wouldn't start a lot of stuff if you realized how much work goes into it um obviously we're working we're working with a manufacturer in china and there's a lot of small things it's, it's finding the right people i think is really really key um so there's definitely moments where it becomes incredibly frustrating things are taking longer and and but but in our case, and it kind of flowed fairly well from the beginning. And, and, uh, and I think, again, a lot of that had to do with the fact that our product was relatively simple and we had quite a, quite a set idea of what we wanted it to be and how we wanted it to work. And, and I think that came from this kind of solution to a very clear problem we had. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that, like, obviously, the Kickstarter and the success you had proves that people wanted it. But was there a moment before that internally that you knew you really had something to even go further with the Kickstarter. Cause that's a whole nother animal uh, to, you know, to do that. Was there a moment where you're like, you get that, that, I don't know, the 10th prototype and you're like, yes. Was there ever that sort of thing? Yeah. I mean, getting the first prototype is incredibly satisfying. And I, no, let me, let me rephrase that. It's incredibly satisfying in seeing something. I think, I think a lot, anyone who's, who's done their own thing understands the, the feeling of having something in your head and then you have it physically in front of you. It's, it's, there's something incredibly satisfying about that. Of like you've literally turned ideas into something physical. And then that's an amazing feeling. Um, at the same time, the first prototype with a lot of things is also a little bit disappointing because it's a very early stage thing. I mean, in our case, the, the material is slightly different. It was really just to prove that the shape would work and the, the way it functioned would work. And you sort of look at it and I was, you sort of a little bit like, oh, shit, maybe it's it's going to be a, you start criticizing it, but, but what you've got to realize is it's the first prototype. And, and again, our designers were very good with us where this is the first product I've been involved in. So it's a new experience for me. I, um, and they were very good explaining, no, listen, don't worry. This is just the beginning stage. This is not what it's going to look like. But getting, getting the, the sort of final prototype before the Kickstarter was, was I think a real highlight. Again, you're never sure until you put it out into the world, you have people telling you, wow, that's great. It's but you sort of what your family tells you isn't necessarily what the world's going to say. So, yeah. Mom's never say anything bad. No, no, no. Yeah. So you're hopeful. You're hopeful. But I mean, the public is the proof, isn't it? Right, right, right. Totally. Um, you know, so through this whole process, um, what did you find? I mean, is this for you being like your, your first, um, you said this was your first uh, hardware product, right? That you were working on. So like, like for you, is it something that you had to, I mean, well, let me back up. Did you actually come from like software? Cause you mentioned startups, but like, I'm no, assuming that no, I've been involved, startups yeah, I've had that long sort of, I've been involved in a lot of different things. My first business I was involved in was, um, it's all been more service-based. Uh, my first business was a travel company. Um, so it was, it was, it's been a lot more kind of, uh, yeah, service-based dealing with people rather than products. Um, this whole process has been really interesting for me. I mean, I've, it's amazing. As, as I say, it's something, something really, really different, but you learn a lot as you go along. Yeah. Well, I mean, so for you though, 
what happened maybe in life to make this sort of pivot and then to have, I guess, the confidence to know that you could, you know, work on a, on a, on a physical product. Was there something that kind of sort of happened that spawned that? Um, nothing, I, I, nothing in particular. I think I've, I've always been, I've always wanted to do my own thing. And, and I started off with kind of when I finished university, starting a travel business with a friend. Um, from there, I've dabbled in a few things. We sold that eventually. Um, got involved in actually the fashion industry. Uh, so something completely different. Thought I would do that temporarily while I figured out the next business and sort of 10 years went by. Um, in between that, I've been involved in kind of more creative projects, um, more kind of media-based stuff. Uh, done some documentaries with friends and things like that. But uh, But always on the lookout. I think that's so... For me, I've dabbled with ideas over the years and kind of put some energy into certain things, but this was, I, I don't know, this, this in my own head, this was going to work because I just, I saw the need for it. And I think I very clearly saw the need because it, it was a very simple problem that I could see that I had and that others had and that there wasn't a very clear solution. So when, when we did come up with this, it kind of, it it was it's it's been it's been a relatively nice process in that we haven't had to fight our way to to the product. It's sort of come quite naturally, and I think again that comes from the fact that the reason for it existing was very clear. We weren't trying to force a need. Right, you know when you when you have a project that is taking on such a huge huge. Um, staple in everybody's life, right? Just going to get the cup of coffee, right? That, that is, you know, um, how do you not get swept up in how big that is? So again, I, I see this in a lot with like, you know, we're going to make these recy a recyclable suit, right? Everybody that's going to, we're going to save all this plastic. And, and again, you have numbers on your campaign too, of like, you know, the amount of waste we do, right? It's, it feels to me, uh, it's such a slippery slope to get caught up in that narrative of trying to fix the huge problem as opposed to just like, listen, we can make a dent here. How do you sort of stay focused on that as a project creator, as, you know, as somebody in the startup land, not taking on the whole problem, but just your solution for it? It's a good question. Cause I think, I think it's very easy to, as you say, get swept up in that. And, and it's easy to get swept up on that because it's incredibly, and especially at the moment, uh, well, not right at the moment, but, generally in the sort of time we live in it's it's um it's it's good marketing to to make a lot of these claims and it's something we're obviously we're very early stage but it's something we're being very careful of of not over selling our solutions we're not our coffee cups not going to solve all the world's problems but as you say we really i do think that it's gonna it could make a dent and i think a lot of a lot of what we've said since the beginning is is and again, it's, it's sort of our story. So I, I hopefully others can relate to, to our sort of process of getting to this point is not that long ago, we weren't really that aware of it. And by maybe using a product like this, if anything, your, your awareness of that tiny dent comes up and then maybe you expand that a little bit further. And if you can expand that to other people, I think there can be a really good, um, bigger effect of that. Yeah. Well, I, I think too, I think, I, I think we're seeing too is even if it's just these small thoughts, like I'll, I'll give my example, right? Like this is so simple. 
as opposed to water bottles all day. Like, like you know, like, you know, and, and it's more and more people just making these small decisions, you know, hopefully I, has I think, a much bigger impact. I, I it's exactly that. I think it's, it's, it's a lot of it is the awareness. If, if you buy a water bottle and someone sees you that water bottle and that's what you use, just your view of the world is slightly shifted. You're now aware of some of those issues. And, I, and whether your impact buying that water bottle is making a huge difference on its own is very debatable. But I think what is underestimated is, is how much your kind of the ripples that come out from that can make a really positive impact. Um, yeah, I think it's the, it's the con it's, you are at least conscious of it, right? Like, you know, it's like the people who eat meat every single meal, every single day, not right or wrong, but like, that's a, it's, it's hard to sustain that. Like, you know, just, could you have just Tuesday off, you know, just, it's like all these little things could add up when you talk about, you know, millions and millions and millions of people all making small little millions of decisions. So. I mean, it is, I, I mean, from my own case, obviously I've been, I've been, I've been playing with the uh, prototypes since beginning of the year, sort of December and uh, I haven't used a, haven't used a disposable cup since then. Like, so it, it really has had a tangible impact on that. I've definitely paid the impact of that cut back many times already. Um, so there is, there is that tangible impact. I think, I think the, 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 we, the gray zone, or not even the gray zone, the, the, the dangerous zone with a lot of businesses like ours is jumping on that bandwagon too much as a sales mechanism. Um, it's a very tempting thing to do because people do relate to it. Uh, but it's trying to be a lot more honest with it. And I think as, as our brand grows, it's something we, we really want to be aware of is actually a lot more openness. Like we don't have all the solutions. We don't know a lot of this stuff, but we're trying to figure it out. And, and we're trying to figure it out as we go along and trying to kind of put that out with our products and obviously with our messaging and, and really build a community around that rather than trying to force things down people's throats. And I think there's also a lot of, there's a lot of like um, shaming in, in this marketplace in terms of reusables and kind of eco products um, of where it's sort of, you aren't doing enough, you aren't good enough, you need to change. And I think it's, it's a dangerous place to be. Um, for what, with what we're trying to do is, is really, as I mentioned earlier, take away the, not instead of forcing people into something of taking away the barriers of why they wouldn't use it. So making it just as easy as a disposable cup because it's just there and it fits and you don't notice it. And, and making it, there's, there's obviously, I think it's changing now, but there's still that sort of um, social proof thing of having a coffee cup of it. There's a, there's a sort of status thing of walking around your coffee cup in a city and your busy lifestyle. I do think that's slowly evolving. I know in Europe, it's probably a little further ahead. Um, America's catching on a bit more now in the cities. We originally, we, Kickstarter came up very early on in our sort of design process as we were doing the product. Uh, and the original thought was, don't do Kickstarter, don't do the crowdfunding, get, get the product, get it shipped and go straight to kind of retail. Um, from the beginning, our, our goal has always been to build a brand around the product and, and kind of develop it into something a lot more long-term rather than just a, a once-off sort of crowdfunding project. But the, then the sort of closer we got, it just I, I realized actually this could be almost for us, a, we, I sort of saw it as a soft launch. It was, it was getting the product out there, it was getting 
people to start interacting with it, to start getting opinions on it. Um, obviously, the real beauty of, of, of um, crowdfunding like this is you're able to put it out there before your product fully ready. And then that, that is amazing. Um, we were kind of lucky in, and I think a lot of people in Kickstarter now are lucky in that we had a fully designed product. We had everything set up in terms of manufacturing. Uh, we budgeted in all our costs and we could cover the sort of first manufacturing costs. So really the, we didn't need anything from Kickstarter in terms of having to cover a certain goal. So we, it was a quite a luxurious position in that we could set our goal quite low and really see what happens with it and sort of put it out into the world. I think that that was, that was the original thinking. Um, saying that, I think we underestimated just how broad the, the spread from Kickstarter can be and how much was picked up from and how many people noticed it from there. Um, so it's been a really, really interesting process. Uh, sorry, your, your original question was- Yeah, no, just like, like, like what were you looking for before you actually got to even that point? Was there a moment that you knew, and maybe it was because you didn't have to have, uh, like, like for a lot of my campaigns, you know, we got to raise 50K or 75K. You didn't have that sort of pressure point. So were you still looking for like, we want to at least have 500 emails in the pre-launch? Like, like, was there some things you were looking for? No, I, th I, think, I think what we're looking for was, the worst case scenario was we put this out there, not a single person looked at it. It would be, we would have carried on with our original plan of getting manufacturing done and then done the normal kind of setting up our website and getting that process done, building on the brand, the social media side. Saying that, as our launch date got closer with Kickstarter, I started realizing how this was much more of a full-time project than something you could do as a, a side project. I, I sort of originally, I think I underestimated Kickstarter and that I, I, so I was like, oh, we'll put it up there and it'll be, you know, it's, it's easy. We'll stick it up on crowdfunding. And I think, I think I underestimated how much time goes into building out a crowdfunding platform and how much you need to information you have and how suddenly realizing that actually this is going out to people. Um, so it kind of evolved in the last month or so, two months before our launch date. And we actually pushed back our launch date as well because we just didn't have enough ready. Um, it evolved into something a lot more serious where suddenly I felt a little more pressure to to get it out there. Um, I think what we wanted out of it was the the proof of product. I think that's ultimately, and obviously that comes with that it goes hand in hand with number of people and and money raised. Um, so we didn't have a number. I sort of I, I set the goal very low, and there were two sides of my head which was kind of very confident that we would do quite well based on what was out there. And I think our product works quite well for Kickstarter because it's, it's a relatively well-priced and it's a very simple product. You don't need to explain it too much. Um, at the same time, the other side of my brain was, well, what if no one sees this and you sort of, we raised $200 and everyone laughs at us. Now you, you just don't know before you click that launch button. It, it is, no matter what anyone tells you, it is terrifying. Yeah. There's no doubt about it, man. We feel it weekly as we're like, we think we did everything we can. We'll see. I mean, um, the, the scary thing was, I think, listening to podcasts like yours and, and reading the blogs and being out there, you hear how much people do before launch. And, and you, there's always someone you're listening to is like, well, we were contacting every journalist and we got 
20,000 person email list and we did this and we were ready and we had a party on launch day and you're thinking, damn, like, like I'm nowhere near that. Um, so our, our, our real, um, our only pre-launch strategy was really building the email list. We ran Facebook ads, um, kind of very, very targeted in terms of making people aware this was, this was signing up for information on a launch. It wasn't so, so hoping that that, that email list would convert relatively high compared to kind of average conversions. Um, and then we, we focused very heavily on social media. We're lucky enough to kind of have quite good reach on, on social. So um, that was our two sort of points of sending out to our initial email list. And then really the social media focus was, was the initial thing. And then closer to the campaign, we, we got involved with, um, so I literally within the week before, we sort of last minute got involved with uh, Jellip. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, now was that something that you, that, um, that you kind of, because you mentioned that you started realizing, wow, I might need, might need a little bit of help here. Or was this something that you you were like out looking for and knew that this this would be a good fit? Again, started off quite naive. Um, started listening to all the content out there and reading up and realizing there's a whole ecosystem around this, um, and thinking, okay, there's a lot that can be taken advantage of, and maybe this is. I, I think I realized closer to the launch that this is a real opportunity that to like really make an impact and get something get something really really tangible out of it. Um, so initially had no intention of using any third party or getting involved with anyone like that. The closer we got, I just realized that we should do everything possible. Um, looked at a bunch of different stuff and actually contacted Jellip and didn't hear back from him for a while. I mean, I, I think essentially they're a small team and, and their bandwidth is, is limited. But then um, the week before they got back, I'd, I'd given up on it. I was like, okay, well, they got back and said, oh yeah, we'd love to be involved. Um, so we actually pushed back our launch date slightly for them to, to get set up. Um, and yeah, when, when, when I did, after, after all the kind of research beforehand, I was fairly confident in them and I'd heard really good stuff. Um, and I really like their, their pricing structure. Um, I'm sure it's all stuff you and probably most of your listeners will know, but they'd obviously their pricing structure is very, it's completely performance based. So, so the risk, is relatively low. I think I, I like. I I don't know. I have no opinion on any of the other um, crowdfunding kind of companies. I've heard mixed stories on a lot of the other big ones, um, but Jellup just seemed to stand out with everyone that used them as being very, very like straight down the line, um, very professional, and and get broad results. So we're kind of pretty confident for them. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously that this was a huge campaign, considering that you had almost over sixty five hundred backers, and you did over two hundred grand, and really at a price point too of, I mean, what was your average reward? You know, thirty bucks, forty bucks, somewhere in that ballpark. I think I, it came in. I think our average was because the problem is we're dealing in pounds and dollars, being based in New York, and then obviously we're based in London. Um, but I think it was thirty pounds was our average average reward yeah yeah i mean so that that's that's a lot of a lot of traffic a lot of conversions a lot of people getting it but i, I think you, you mentioned it earlier i think you know when you see some of these campaigns that have to do a ton of work getting the twenty thousand emails it's when their product you really are, you have to really jam that product down this is one that just 
it just makes sense. It's not a $500 commitment, um, you know, it, it, you know, so that barrier to entry is a little bit lower. So, and, and it just, it, it, it looks great as designed. I mean, the way the page is laid out, the video, I mean, I mean, you guys literally checked off all the boxes of still a great campaign, but at the end of the day, it does just make sense. Like, Oh, okay. I can get two or three of these things. And, you know, I even think about it too. Um, uh, just recently, I mean, you know, we, we actually, as an agency got our own office, we were remote for almost 10 years and, uh, we realized that we want to see people again, but I started realizing like, man, I, I'm throwing out plastic forks every day, <laughs> you know, like just to eat. And so I was like, no, no, no. And my sister comes in she gets me these bamboo things. And now I have it in my backpack all the time. So wherever I go, I'm not getting the plastic stuff. So it's like, you know, uh, but it just, it's, it's like one of those things like it just makes sense. It's not a huge, you know, you know, I mean, the projects that we have where we're like, man, I'm asking people to spend 500 bucks on this thing. Ooh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I mean, it, 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 it is impressive. The, the, it goes to, it's a testament, I think, to the peak designs of the world of how Selson is probably to do so well is that they've built a very loyal base. And I think I'm not, it's very impressive to see how guys like that do it because you've really got to put a lot of trust into a company to put that much money into oh, yeah. a crowdfunding totally, campaign. Totally. Well, let, let's, let's flip over a little bit to like, so what does, you know, the campaign, I think you ended, uh, you said it ended early March, right? March 2nd, something like that. I think you said. Yeah. Fifth yeah, of March. 5th of March ended, yeah. So, you know, money's starting to come in. You've got all these next stages, the world's ending, like what's happening um, like right now for you guys in terms of now I have to ship the backers and, you know, so like what's, what's happening today? Um, so in some ways we are quite lucky with the state of the world at the moment. Obviously everything is crazy at the moment and no one really knows kind of what's going to happen from here. Uh, we were lucky in that our campaign ended before everything really hit. Uh, saying that, we did have odd people coming in and, and asking about shipment, whether it was dangerous to get them shipped because obviously our manufacturers are in China. Um, but our, we've been working with the manufacturers since uh, towards the middle end of last year. So, so we've kind of built up quite a good relationship with them and they've been very upfront with us. And um, they have been back at work for quite a while. They were back with a skeleton scarf pretty early on. Um, didn't get hit too hard by everything. Obviously, China as a whole got hit in some way. But, but essentially, we've had, obviously definitely had delays, as had everyone. But uh, currently, we're not too far behind where we want to be. We, we, we put our, we put our um, shipping date, we gave a bit of a buffer, because I was aware a lot of unknown stuff might come up. Um, I thought we'd easily fit within that buffer, but... As, as it happens, right, the whole world packs up in the meantime. So, um, so we're hoping to be within a month of where we want it to be. Uh, it really depends on how badly things get hit from here because we are still, our aim is to, is to ship to locally to the US and to Europe. And obviously those fulfillment warehouses and things like that, that still has to operate as normal for everything to, to go forward. But um but we're sitting in kind of a lucky zone in that we're in the manufacturing stage now and the manufacturing is in China and China's relatively, relatively uh, doing well compared to everyone else. Um, obviously saying that things are changing very rapidly and daily we wake up with new information. So, so we'll see how it goes from here. So what is the next 
you know, for you guys, like really the next year look like, I mean, this time next year, you know, what is happening? Is it another product? Is it just, you know, Amazon? What, I mean, what, what does it look like for you guys? Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the big things that came out of the Kickstarter that uh, I didn't think of beforehand is just the amount of exposure we got and the number of people that have reached out. Um, so there've been a lot of opportunities in terms of retail and distributors that sort of stuff that I haven't even had a chance to fully look at. And I think so. Um, I think the, 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 the goal at the moment is to really get Kickstarter done well. There's obviously a lot of people who put faith in us and they put faith in us early stage. And I think that alone is just the, the knowledge that almost 7,000 people have, uh, have put their money behind us and the word of support and things like that is incredible. I mean, you can't describe just, that feeling of community and people sort of supporting you. And even when we've sent out these emails about possible delays, people are incredibly understanding. And we've had people message us saying, if you need more time, please ship to everyone else. Don't worry about me, I can wait. That sort of stuff is unbelievable to see. So having built up this amazing kind of community, um, really delivering as well as we can on them. That's definitely our first priority. Um, from there, uh, as we have some more time and space is to build out our online retail. So we want to really develop our website. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, our goal really is to build a brand around this. Um, we want to really try and build it into something that people can get behind as a brand. So the brand and the online retail for this product definitely is sort of stage two after the Kickstarter. And then from there, we're absolutely looking at other products. Um, the number one request and something we're looking at before the Kickstarter even is is um, a larger, larger sizes. Um, specifically in America, our cap is sort of on the smaller scale. Yeah. People want that, or, or that big gulp. Things. They want the, the 7-Elevens, uh, two hands. <laughs> yeah. So it's obviously there's, there's limitations in terms of how small you can compact something. So our product was a trade-off between something incredibly portable and something that was very functional. So it's trying to develop something now that will work for both, but is a larger size. Um, so in a year's time, I think, I think, yeah, having having a few more products potentially, but really having developed our our own sales channels yeah. and brand. Well, in like a maybe in like a five year window, do you sort of envision that that this brand starts to equal, you know, uh, travel solution, uh, conscious decisions? Like like, is there a sort of a, a you know maybe a phrase that you guys are using, or like you can envision multiple different products, not just cups, not just small, medium, large, but like a whole ecosystem of products that sort of fit this type of consumer, you know, the bamboo sporks I'm mentioning, like, is there, you know, I mean, stuff like that, you know? Yeah, no, we can absolutely. Um, again, it's, it's trying not to fall into that trap of selling stuff for the sake of it, of trying to think very carefully about why we're creating what we're creating and having it fit within that idea of actually it, it having a positive impact and, being able to serve people rather than just adding another product to the lineup that'll sell. Saying that it's still very early stage. So a lot of the stuff at the moment is, is kind of idea, but the, 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 the general sort of thinking and, and you asked about a phrase and we do kind of have a very rough phrase that we're working on is the idea of like trying to create products that again, take away those, as I've mentioned before, those barriers to using more sustainable products. And I think the two areas we're focusing on is, is the convenience factor and the 
cool factor, lack of a better word, but it's, it's, it's creating something that is very functional and, and is, and products that are also, um, good to be seen with that you want to create. And, and I think that has a lot to do with the brand as well. So, so yeah, I, we'd really like to develop into a much bigger ecosystem. Uh, but I think it's, it's more under the brand than the product necessarily. Um, this product is absolutely a first step, and I think I think we have a lot we can do with it. And but but we want to build from the ideas behind that product rather than just creating more products that might fit in that same niche. Right, that's awesome. Well, where can people kind of dive into your world if they miss the Kickstarter and this is the first time they're hearing it? How can they either get involved, be around, follow? Where, where should they go? Yeah, so we are our website's the best place. It's uh, we are who knew. Uh, we are honey.com. Uh, we are obviously we've transitioned to in demand. So just to, if anyone still wants to to buy at the moment, that's that's the best place. So and that can always all linked through either our Kickstarter page or our in demand or our website. And then otherwise we are um, we are on our Instagram is our main social platform. So again we are we are Hunu on Instagram, um, and we're pretty pretty active with um, messages on that. Uh, we're kind of being sporadic on our content as we as we build up and have more bandwidth to do stuff but but yeah instagram and our website or the our website and email are obviously the two spaces if you want to communicate or um and again it's been incredible to have just the the number of people reach out and kind of questions and ideas and words of support so if anyone's out there we'd love to hear from you awesome awesome well vince i appreciate you taking time out of your day uh this is a great great conversation awesome campaign uh awesome design awesome product too and uh listeners i will obviously in the show notes i'll put these links in there so you guys can go and check it out uh do some clicking around dive in and um yeah and i, I appreciate you taking time thanks i really appreciate it man. thank you awesome. very much appreciate it thanks bye <laughs> All right. How about that conversation with Vince? Awesome, awesome product. It was uh, great to talk to him and learn about what it took to, to do a product like this. I mean, typically we find that it's challenging when you have a project that is, or, or a product that's, you know, roughly around 30 bucks or 30 pounds, somewhere around there. You know, you've got to get a lot of conversions, got to send a lot of traffic. And, uh, and if it does, it's awesome. If it doesn't, yeah. But yeah, I, I totally relate with Vince on that stress of what it's like running a campaign, man. It is, you never know if you're ready, but you got to just throw it out there, see what happens. So, um, but okay. All right, guys, I hope you guys are all doing well. Like I said, if you're a listener, thank you. Make sure you're a subscriber uh, wherever you listen to this on, you know, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Anchor, I don't mind, even our own website. Make sure you're, make sure you're leaving us reviews, subscribing following along, getting our blogs, stay connected, right? We'd love to connect with all of you. So, um, all right, guys, let's listen to some sugar people music and I'll talk to you all later.